Hot Springs Village Inside Out is a closer look at the greatness of Hot Springs Village, Arkansas and the surrounding areas, people, places, experiences. Hot Springs Village is one of the most beautiful places on earth. Join me, Randy Cantrell, and my co-host Dennis Simpson as we engage in weekly conversations to explore Hot Springs Village Inside Out. Today's show is brought to you by Central Arkansas's favorite radio station, KVRE. Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. Remax of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning Remax of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at one 800 364 9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501 984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because, like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there. Hot Springs Village Inside Out, Dennis Simpson, and the ever always serious Joey Clampett. Joey, how's it going over there? Doing good, doing good, looking good, (laughs) feeling good. Joey, where do you find a sombrero like that? I'm just curious. This sombrero. Yeah. Long story. (laughs) um, I used to be a food sales rep in central Arkansas, and I used to sell to a lot of Hispanic grocery stores. So one of my clients brought this back from Mexico for me, and it has been a point of contention in my marriage for some time now. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, my wife did not like wedding pictures with the sombrero. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. So, so this show today will include marital counseling. Is that what I'm hearing? Everything I do involves counseling, <laughs> whether it be marital or otherwise, <laughs> or caloric, or caloric. For those don't of know you what that, that means, but sure. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, this is Mr. Joey Clampett with Clampett's for for first food truck now Clampett's. Great restaurant, man. I'm impressed. This is a, uh, it's not even a restaurant. That, that doesn't even begin to cover. T- take the hat off so we can see your lovely mug here. But uh, let me, hang on. I've got to do a share here real quick. Hang on. There we go. And I was going to ask, I, I was fascinated to know how on earth you got started doing what you do, Joe. It's it's a restaurant. It's a food smart. It's a, it's a prep food. I, I, tell me more. I don't know a thing and I'm really interested. You know, I got in this industry. I started, um, of course, I graduated high school in 1988. And jobs weren't that easy to come by back then. Mm -hmm. You know, I tried and tried tried to find a job. Um, I found a job as a dishwasher at a Western Sizzler in Monticello, Arkansas in 1989. And I was just glad to have a job making $375 an hour. And they started you on a a probation probation period, right? Because if you don't work out, we got another guy lined up. 
Yeah, whatever you want. So, so we, uh, I started washing dishes. Like I said, three seventy-five an hour, and I was glad to do it. Um, but over the next two years, I kind of worked my way up. His sons at Western Sizzler, they cut meat, so his sons were going to college, and they cut all the steaks for both restaurants. He said, "Hey, my boys are leaving. Do you want to learn how to cut meat?" I said, "Sure." And so, within a couple of years, I worked my way up to manager. Um, learned how to cut meat. Learned how to cook. Learned a lot about running a business and a restaurant um, and ended up being there for a few years. Actually moved down to Bastrop. Had this, uh, we converted to Western Sizzler over in Bastrop over to uh, Longhorn Steakhouse back in the day. And um, so that's pretty much where it started for me. I took that knowledge that I learned at Western Sizzler, went to Brown's Packing, which is a slaughterhouse in Little Rock, Holly brand products if you're from Arkansas. You've had, you know, Holly bologna, Holly barbecue loaf. Um, got a job there. I lied and told them I know how to cut meat. Um, <laughs> I could hold a knife, but that was about it. I could cut steaks. Then uh, they put me on the uh, kill floor. So I spent a couple of weeks boning hog heads. Boning not, hog heads. Not my best career move, but, you know, we do what we got to do. <laughs> I, I worked my way into the pork cut room where we would uh, cut up a hog in about 45 seconds. What? No, no, no. Are you, are you exaggerating? No, 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 no. There's a, all right, so the hogs are on rails. They push them in, they drop them, and there's a conveyor belt going right down the middle of the room. And on each side of that conveyor belt, there's cutting boards with about five guys on each side of the table. Each person has a particular piece they grab. I pull neck bones off the front left shoulder. So they cut the front shoulder off. They cut the hawk off. They threw it on the conveyor belt. It was my responsibility to grab it, pull it off, pull the neck bone out, throw it in a combo behind me, pull the fat cap off the pork butt. So the picnic, which is the front shoulder and pork butt, up on the saw to be cut. And we would do that in about 45 seconds. And you better have your piece ready because the next one was coming by real fast. So it was basically an I love Lucy thing. If the conveyor the conveyor was coming and there would be another hog here in 45 seconds. There was no, you know, and early on, of course, keeping your knife sharp is a hard pro, you know, yeah, hard, yeah, hard yeah, process. Yeah. And so early on, I would just have to get behind and then spin my brakes. Instead of getting a break, I would play catch up. That way I could be caught back up by the time the crew come back in and we would start cutting again. Yeah, yeah let, let me interrupt here for one second. That's the difference between a man who's going to eventually own a business and a guy who's going to go from job to job the rest of his life. That's right. That really it is. Kind of, it didn't matter. When it was break time, I worked through my breaks. I sharpened my knife. I could catch up. I did what I was paid to do. Unbelievable. And uh, so worked there for a year or so. Um, learned a lot about the meat industry. Learned what I didn't want to do in the meat <laughs> industry. And that was working at a slaughterhouse. Um, it was hard work. It was rough work. I left there, took that knowledge, and went to Piggly Wiggly. Walked in and said, hey, I'm a meat cutter. <laughs> and you were. You, you you didn't lie this time. I could cut meat. I wasn't good at it, but I could cut meat. <laughs> and I, I could pull a neck bone like nobody's business. But fortunately, <laughs> at Piggly Wiggly, you're cutting neck bones, not pulling them. So worked my way into Piggly Wiggly. Um, started as a cleanup boy there. Started at the bottom, as always. Worked my way up. Within probably three years, I was a market manager. Uh, I was running the Piggly Wiggly in Star City, uh, in the meat department anyway. Yeah. I was a traveling meat man for a few years. I traveled all over South Arkansas, cutting meat and um, 
running meat markets for them. So let me guess that would be, uh, as a friend of mine said, he said, that's, that's an honest living. Some days a little too honest. That was, that was hard work, but, uh, you know, we're talking about the nineties. You're probably making four or $5 an hour. You work 50, 60 hours a week. That's back when they could get by with the Chinese overtime. <laughs> so anything over 40, you're making about 25% of your normal rate. Um, Times was a little different back then. A little different. I remember I was, some very, very hard working in those days too. I, I, I just, I guess for me, um, number one, I never knew any of this story, and it's absolutely fascinating. Number two, I, this this place you've got here, Joey, is impressive, and I'm not, I'm not padding it or whatever. This is impressive. You walk in, there's a, there's a huge. Uh, a cabinet on the right-hand side. You've got a whole display case with frozen foods or refrigerated foods ready to take home. You've got a dining place there to have your wonderful barbecue sandwich. You make great barbecue. And then walk okay. to the back, and it's like a a, a, a fine deli. Uh, it, it's it's really impressive. It really is. Well, thank you. It's been, a, it's been an ongoing you know, process. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about how Clampets come about. Um, of course, I stayed in the meat industry for – <clears throat> a time. I left for a little while and was actually a substance abuse counselor for three years. Um, tried to give back a little bit. And, um, you know, it was hard as a counselor to make it. I got back in the meat industry probably 15 years ago when I moved to Hot Springs. I become market manager pretty quick for Harvest Foods. And um, then left there when affiliated went bankrupt. Went to work as a meat merchandiser for Summerwood which owns big red convenience stores and um, family market. Yeah. And so for them, I was the overseer of all three meat departments in the grocery stores. I helped develop weekly specials and ads. And I did that for probably four or five years. So when Uh, did you give up being a vegan? Because it doesn't look like it's worked out for you. Right after mama pulled that that, uh, bottle away. (laughs) You Uh, said to yourself... You yeah, could feed you could feed Bainis to an eighteen month old with no problem. <laughs> Little potted meat in that bottle never hurt nobody. Not exactly the top of the of the uh, food chain there, but hey, it kept you from going hungry, right? Hey, this we're talking about the seventies and eighties. It was yeah, a different time back then. It was. It really, really was. So, so I'm trying to break down to trying to describe it to people who've not been here. Number one, come here. Number two, I see how across your website, you've got it broken down to lunch, catering, country store, and more. Uh, let me let me click on the link here. And, and obviously not everybody's going to be able to watch this or see it with us. But, you know, I, what's the magic? And I, I'm not being facetious here at all. I mean, you you have such a wide variety uh, what Monday we're going to have jalapeno poppers or beef stroganoff Tuesday, Mexican casserole, by the way, your spaghetti casserole. My ma- wife makes a awesome spaghetti cat, uh, spaghetti chicken, chicken, spaghetti, chicken, spaghetti, and yours, my friend within 5%. It's really good. She was like, this is fantastic. So, and you have these pre-made meals ready every day or. You can get to go. And, and by the way, one of Randy, the you know, Randy, who's coming back here shortly, one of his favorites is the big boy sandwich. And I don't think it's spelled. There's no D. It's sandwich. Is that correct? Nah, sandwich. 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 Well, grandma used to make sandwiches when we'd go fishing over on the river. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the things here in the store are just from my childhood, from my my growing up here in Arkansas. Yeah. You know, um, my grandparents were sharecroppers. They cleared the land, worked hard. Um, that's just who I come from. And that's all I really know. 
Um, I, I moved on from family market being a meat merchandiser to being a sales rep for a food distributor out of Spring Hill, Louisiana. And I covered the uh, Central Arkansas Territory <clears throat> with my my, ter- my sales area. And I worked with grocery stores, meat markets, and, and I got to know a lot of people in the industry then. And that's kind of how I got led here to this building. I, um, I always had a dream of opening my own meat market. We moved, me and my wife moved to the village probably 12 years ago now. And I thought, man, it's a great place to live. It's a great place to do business. But I thought that if we had a meat market and we did our due diligence, we worked hard, took good care of these people, they would take good care of us. And um, so that was my dream. But who knew if it would ever happen? Then one day I was coming home. I've been in Hot Springs selling. I'm coming up seven to the stoplight. I got the sunroof open. Birds are singing, sun shining, gorgeous day. Lord tells me to keep driving. <laughs> now, after years and years of not listening to nobody, I have finally come to grips with learning to listen to the Almighty up there. And uh, so He tells me to keep driving. I said, like, "What do you, you know? Where are we going?" He leads me to the red light. I pull into the parking lot of my building now, and I thought it was an abandoned rock shop. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the looks of this building before I bought it. Windows were busted out of it. There was trees growing in the parking lot. It had been abandoned. It had been vandalized. It looked horrible. I didn't even know it was a restaurant at one time. Yeah, it was an abandoned pizza store. <clears throat> it was. So I pulled in thinking it was an old rock shop, you know, because it looked that rough. And then I see the vinyl hood coming through the roof, and I think, wait a minute. Uh. As a salesman, I drive around looking for vinyl hoods and walking coolers. So I see the walk-in cooler and freezer sticking out the back. I seen the bin hood. I said, well, somebody did food here. So at that time, the Lord's speaking to me. I'm listening. And he's like, I'm going to bless you with this, and you'll honor and glorify me with it. I said, okay, you know better than I do, Lord. And uh, so that day I called my wife. She worked at CHI. She was a surgery scheduler for the women's department. I said, when you get to the light, just keep driving. She's like, what are you talking about? I said, just keep driving. So she pulls in the parking lot. I tell her what the Lord told me. She believed me. Right. So I called the number on the front of the building and I talked to the realtor and he was like, yeah, you know, it comes with 20 acres. And I'm like, when, I did it really? Yeah. I got 19 and a half acres or something with it. And I was like, look, I can't afford it. I don't need it way more than I can handle I said, would they just lease me the building? He said, no, probably not. It's a West Coast bank is, is owns it. They just went out from underneath it. So he gave me the information for the SBA Center over at Henderson State. Mm-hmm. He said, call them and see if they can help you. So I called the SBA Center over there, got to work with a young man named Brandon. We developed a uh, business plan. I took it to Arvest Bank. And unfortunately, I got paired up with a good loan officer that believed in me. Mr. And, uh, Glenn, uh, Mr. Glenn, I bet. Actually, it was Brent Osley of huh. Osley Family Farms. Yeah. Um, uh. Now, now, now um, Mr. Glenn takes good care of me. But at that time, it was Brett Osley. They were raising Wagyu, American Wagyu over in Bismarck. So we thought that would be a nice connection. Really? Yes. So um, me and Brett started working on it. And if anybody's ever done an SBA loan, it is horrible. As you know, I'm a meat guy. I'm better with a knife than I am a pen. Well, so, and, uh, and I'm not saying SBA loans are thorough and unbelievably intensive, but 
what was your English grade spe- your English uh, grade average in the third grade? Because they're going to need to know that, right? I'm a strong two point two all the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to say I graduated with a two point two, and I was proud of it. Yeah, they, they might have rounded up a little bit for me, but <clears throat> so they were we tired of this- looking at you. They were tired of looking at you. We start this exactly back in the eighties. They just moved home, especially me. So they, we start this SBA process and, um, you know, it falls apart about five times. And at that point, when I started looking in this building, all of a sudden there's multiple offers coming in. Oh. The realtors calling me saying, look, I'm, I'm, there's taking offers on this building. Mm. If you really want it, you better move fast. And I told him, I said, look, it's not up to me now. The SBA is processed. I said, but the Lord's done told me the end result. So you can show it as many people as you want. You can take as many offers as you want. I know the end game here. And I'm going to be in that building. And we're going to glorify the Lord with it. Like I said, the deal fell apart multiple times. And there were some points that nobody believed it was going to happen. And um, I got questionable a couple of days. But, um, you know, we were blessed. The Lord let us push the deal through. We got we got uh, the building bought. And then I had to start finding equipment, try to fill this big building up. I really thought about 2,000 square feet would do all I wanted to do. Uh, there used to be a meat market over there by Walmart, that little shop center. I yeah. thought that would be a, about a good fit. But now we got 6,000 square feet. What do we do? So we start trying to put it together. Um, I had some hiccups with the government as far as licensing and being permitted when you say you're building a meat market, they instantly think you're going to be killing a thousand head of cattle a day. You know, they, they, they had a fit. So it took us a while to convince the state of what we were trying to achieve here. Um, so we got, finally got open about three months past my original open date. Of course, by this point I'm broke. I've spent all my money trying to buy equipment. We traveled three States, piece milling equipment for the store, you know, meat grinders and saws and meat cases and seven door freezers, all that stuff's very expensive. Uh, even back five years ago. So we finally get the store put together. Um, at that point I'm broke. I use my credit cards to put product on the shelf uh, to get us going. And, and, and thus, thus, thus is the plight of the entrepreneur. When, when yes. everybody else says all in, you don't know what all in means until you're buying product on your on your credit card just to hope somebody comes in and buys it off you on the shelf, right? Yes, yes. That's the life of an entrepreneur. Yeah. Early stages, did I know? It just gets better from there. Um, so we opened the store up. There's some pictures floating around of me over here in the meat department making plates for people. Um, I didn't want to build a restaurant. I wanted a meat market. But as people come in, they wanted a restaurant out here. You, you hear that 20, 20 times a day. I did convince my wife to let me buy a smoker. That way we could smoke some meat from time to time. And I said, well, let me just smoke some ribs and we'll see if we can do a barbecue plate. So at that time, we probably had about 30% of the product that we have in the store right now. Um, I started making plates. We opened the door and I was going to do a soft opening. We weren't going to announce it to anybody. There was five employees. We had no idea what we were doing. There was five of us. So we opened the door one day and people just started coming on in. 
And I said, how did y'all even know we were out here? And I had put a press release together that my real estate agent turned over to the local newspaper. The Sentinel Record had run my press release that day. So people from Hot Springs were driving out here to see the store. It's not what it is today. It was still nice looking, but it's, like I said, nothing what it is today. So people were lined up to um, to shop with us, and I was just amazed. So a couple of days go by, people keep coming in. I said, you know, where are y'all from? I'm talking to them. They're like, oh, we're from Little Rock. Apparently, the Democrat Gazette had picked up the press release, <laughs> and they had run it as well. It's amazing how the Lord works when we can't even work ourselves. So at that time, we just started started growing. You know, um, COVID come, we added on to both ends of the building. We went from seating 50 to a little over 100 now. We enclosed a banquet room on one end of the building. We built a uh, walk-in cooler that's got 15-foot ceilings. It's probably 400-square-foot walk-in cooler freezer. Um, I could drive my truck in it's so big. But uh, that's kind of how we're, where we're at, how we got here. Well, let, let me uh, give you my evaluation, okay? Do you mind? Anyway. I'm a guy who, uh, my joke was, I, I had the uh, the third largest IT company in the state. I had 17 employees and 18 headaches every morning. And when I got rid of that, I haven't missed any part of that yet. Now, I, I'm I'm open to, to, you know, interpretation. It may be that I'll wake up and go, Man, I wish I had more employees today, but it, it, it didn't hit me. It hadn't yet. It's only been 12 years, but it, it, it's early. It's early. But building building retail places, building walking into lots of retail, being in West Little Rock and knowing the competition, you you walk into Best Buy, you walk into Whole Foods, and and you walk into these these big box stores, and you realize they had an expert put all this together. But not only that, they had an expert in meat. They had an expert in produce. They had an expert in to go. They had an expert in prep. They had a, you know, they, they had a whole team for every department in that store. And there's somebody whose job that was to simply make the store look unified. And then they have a whole bunch of other departments in there. That's, that's what it is. That's, that's how big department stores, that's how big box works. When you go into a smaller, pardon the term, but you know, I'm right. Mom and pop store, you see what mom and pop were excellent at. And don't get me wrong. I, I know I, I could have told that you were into in, in, in meat, but that's not what I would have told you. I would have said the marketing is great. The to-go is great. The, the, the service for the food service there is great. The presentation in the meat shop is good. And literally, Joey, you've made a store that when you walk in, I have trouble telling you what the expertise of mom and pop was because you, it's really, it's a great store. It's a really great store. And I'm not just telling you that to pad your pocket or, or to comfort you. It's really, I'm impressed. I'm impressed in all aspects. It it it, it doesn't have a, a, a short side that I see. Well, thank you. You know, it's a, it's a collective effort. I can assure you of that. It's, you know, I'm just a big head back here in the back, but uh, it's a collective effort. We have some great employees. My wife was a big contributing factor to this. After about the third day, we were open at that time. She was working for Cedarville funeral home out here at the village. Mm-hmm. She was their scheduler and a secretary. And on the third day I called her and said, you got to quit your job. I said, I've got to have you up here. And um, after the third day she quit her job and she hadn't had another job since. 
And it, it, it's not lost on me too. You know, and and we joke about it. My, my parents were mom and pop. My parents had a printing company the exact same way. I, I did the same thing. There's nothing like that. You know, when you say all in, yeah, all in is all in. All in is when both of you are there every day, 60 hours a week, blah, 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 blah. That's all in. Yeah, all in is signing about $8,000 for the payroll every Friday and not knowing how much money you got, or actually knowing how much money you got in the bank. Yeah, um, the, the, yeah, knowing and, and wishing it what wishing you didn't know. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, that's the first thing I do every morning when I roll over is I grab my phone, I check for messages, see who's called in, see who's got a problem with the staff, and then check accounts right off the bat every morning. Well, um, let, let me ask this. What would you say to the person that walked in your door the first time? What would you say? Go directly to the what? I don't know. That's a good question. I say hello, welcome, and just enjoy. Take are you hungry? In. Are you hungry right now or are yeah. you hungry later? You know, I had a grandmother who worked at Allen Cannon Company. They were sharecroppers, great people. And the first thing you did, she lived in the middle of nowhere in a hundred acre farm. She would meet you in the yard with a big hug, a kiss, and say, Son, are you hungry? Have you eaten yet today? Don't matter how long it's been since you've seen her, first thing she's gonna do is make you a plate. And that's the mentality that we try to have here. We want everybody to feel like they're our neighbors, they're our friends, and we want to treat them that way. So you come in, we want to find out. Just let us know what you're trying to do. You don't need to have all the answers when it comes to food. That's what we do. You're trying to feed 12 people. You got a funeral service. You got a party. You just tell us what you're trying to achieve, and we'll help you get there. Let me throw one at you. And and uh, number one, I, I want people to know, Joey, I intentionally, before we pre-rolled, I, I've met you a few times and we've chatted. We haven't spent more than five to 10 minutes together in our lives until this moment right now. And I intentionally said, I don't want to know. I want you to tell it to me as we go. So I'm going to throw you one here just out the side. I, yeah. There, There is a discussion. There's a discussion of having a, a family reunion out at Balboa Beach. We're going to have young kids. We're going to have middle age. We're going to have older people. I'm looking about 75 and no, not a vegan in the crowd. So we're good. But what would you suggest? 75 people. We're going to be outside. You know, we could start off with barbecue. Uh, you know, that's a crowd favorite right now. It's mm -hmm. probably the most inexpensive one we have. Really? But we could do. Yeah. I have barbecue caterings will start about $10 a person. Um, and that would be for pulled pork, pulled chicken, two sides, bread, and barbecue sauce. Are you serious? Yeah. Delivered? Yeah, we, uh, we work hard to keep our prices down. I, you know, I've been in this industry for a long time, so I don't go and buy pork butts. I'll go buy 500 cases of pork butts. I'll make a commitment to $50,000 with the pork butts so I can lock in that price for the next 12 months. Is it that much yeah. better a price, Joe? I mean, I don't know. I don't have a clue. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, well, one, they want your business. They want my business. You know, we're a multi-million dollar business at this point, and we buy a lot of food from a lot of different people. And so they will come in and work hard to get that business. And so we can lock in a price, whether it be on pork butts or briskets or ribs or chickens or something like that that we use on a daily basis. It helps us to lock in that price throughout the year. Now, COVID messed that up. We had everything booked, pre-booked when COVID came in. And we lost about seventy thousand dollars in bookings that year. Ouch! Um, ouch! ouch, ouch. Well, you know, well, we it, all had we all had a hard year. 
And, and, and you, you tied it up. I think you, and I, I didn't mean to walk over you there, but you tied it up, I think as best as it could be. And that was you, you, you know, 50,000 or 500 cases to lock in that price for the next six months. You don't want that market volatility, right? No, no, no. Cause see, you never know what's going to happen. You know, we had the bird flu this past year. So chicken prices took a spike over the last six months and we paid more for chicken breast than I've ever paid in my entire career. And I've done this for, over 30 years, mm. you know, um, that's part of the reason why we built as big a walk-in cooler and freezer as we did. So when we find the opportunity to buy something, you know, say we, we feature stockyard B, which is a large company started outside of Chicago over hundred years ago. They've recently moved to Aurora, but they opened a new facility in St. Louis a while back, a dry aging facility. And they immediately come to me, and they go, Joey, we want you to come to our facility. We want you, we want your opinion on it. So we work hand in hand with all of these suppliers. So U.S. Foods will send me to, whether it be New Orleans for a weekend to a food show. We went to St. Louis to check out this dry aging facility. We partner with these companies to, to do this and bring this stuff to y'all. You know, whether it be with, we work directly with Petty Jean Meats or, you know, we're working with Cargyle. We're working with some of these national packers uh, on some of these brands. We have that much buying power, and we move that much volume out here in the middle of nowhere that they really want to work with us. So yeah. if we can lock in port butts at, say, a dollar and a nickel versus buying it on the open market where it could get up to a dollar eighty in the middle of summer, you know, 75 cents per butt, 80-pound box. So you're talking about $60, $70 box savings. 500 cases, that's what, $30,000? Pretty soon so, you're talking about real money. <clears throat> yeah, eventually. Eventually we'll make payroll. Well, uh, but let, let me come back to real quick. Um, just outside just outside the gate, uh, obviously there's a Walmart at the bottom of the hill. Just outside the gate, there's a, a grocery store people kind of rave about. But it, people come from Hot Springs to that grocery store on a regular basis. How do you compete just literally, and as you say, in the middle of nowhere, and in your, your maybe – what a mile up the road from those folks. How do you compete with that? One, I always try to do, I don't want to sell the same thing they sell. I don't sell Lunchables. And there's sure. a reason why I don't sell Lunchables because I can't sell Lunchables competitive with them. Um, the grocery store we have at the road is a great grocery store. Uh, I used to sell to that grocery store. Um, I'm friends with the market manager up there. Some of the meat cutters I have working for me used to work at that grocery store. Uh, but we don't try to, do the same thing they do. We try to do something different mm -hmm. and there's a big difference in what we sell versus what they sell. Yeah. And when you talk about beef programs, they have a select beef program, which enables them to run 499 T-bones on a holiday weekend, which is great because some people want a 499 T-bone. There was a time in my life that I would love a 499 T-bone. Now I don't need 499 T-bones. My teeth aren't that good anymore. So what we sell is the upper two-third choice of prime. Actually, the short loins and strips we bring in now are prime. We have beautiful marbling. They're going to be aged. So we're selling a, a similar product, but not comparable product. If that makes any sense. No, that makes complete and total sense. And, and um, I, <clears throat> for this show, we're going to have to wrap it up in a minute. And man, I appreciate you being on with you so much. But I tell you what, I really, I'd love to hear the story and, and as best I've heard it before. Not not today, but I'd love to hear the story of, of barbecue because brisket 
not exactly the prime cut. That that's not what we started with, but that's what most people want for for barbecue. And I think that'd be a great story for some time in the future. Would you come back and visit with us? We'd love to do it. We love cooking. You know, as uh, coming from family of sharecroppers, we're I'm used to. I was raised by a single mother here in Garland County who put herself through nursing school. I helped raise my little sister. So working with nothing and building something out of it or making a good meal. I had a mother who could come in and open four cans and half a can of tuna fish and feed a family of four. And that's where my cooking and my food skills have come through. You know, my grandmother was a Pope salad cooking champion in Louisiana. Really? Uh, yes. So, you know, we don't do fancy food. We just do good. Country cooking. Food. Country cooking. And back to your, back to your uh, family reunion. I would recommend pulled pork, pulled chicken, potato salad, baked beans, bread. And then if you got some small kids, we could do some chicken skewers for them. We could do some mushrooms for them. There's a lot of things we could do. Corn dogs for them, whatever you want. Um, that's the versatility that we have. If you want to send, if you want to do prime rib carving station and fried chicken strips, we can do it. How would we get in touch with you, Joey, if we wanted to do a, a, a catering for 75 people? You can stop by the store. You can call us at 501-204-5030. Uh, you can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, all the other stuff. I don't know anything about it. I have a young lady who works for me who takes care of all social media. I'm just the meat guy. Uh, you know what? I'm you know I'm going to try that. I'm just the I'm just the IT guy. I don't know anything about the rest of that. Unplug it. Plug it back in. That's all I know about IT. <laughs> You're giving away the secrets, man. Work 60% of the time. <laughs> Joey, it's always been. 40%, better. I just buy something new. Just buy something new. Joey, it's been a pleasure. Can we see you next time, buddy? Always. I'm always here. Y'all know where to find me. For Hot Springs Village Inside Adam Dennis Simpson, he's Joey Clampett. We will see you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.